Well, it wasn't close with Portland State on Saturday. But Oregon, for the most part, eh, looked exactly how we would have wanted them to before the game started. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. So if you have not already, please like, comment, subscribe, rate, and review as well wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Hmm, not bad. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Offense, defense, talking about that, what the game looked like, Ty Thompson, and some mailbag all coming up on today's show. But yeah, 81 points, over 700 yards of offense, 52 passing yards allowed, and only one touchdown. All in all, that's kind of what we were going for, right? Like going into the game, Look, I, I wrote on 750 the game, and I'm putting up two articles a week. I've got another one up uh, a little bit later today for those of you listening to or watching this episode as it comes out. I've got a Monday and Thursday article every week on 750 the game, write more about this, this stuff. So if you want to hear me talk about it more, but in written form, you can go check it out. But other than what I came, what I wanted to come to pass, which was Oregon pitching a shutout. That was everything we wanted from the Ducks. You had Bo Nix looking sharp. You had a bevy of wide receiver targets get involved. The tight ends got involved. Will Stein looked good. The running game was great. The defense had one bad drive. And then everything else was exactly how we would have wanted it. And we'll get to the defense here in just a sec. But I really liked what we saw from the Ducks. And I'm going to talk about the Texas Tech game more on tomorrow's show because I'm just focusing on uh, Portland State today. Uh, But some interesting context for for that game on on Saturday now because they did not look as good as they uh, were perhaps capable of of being. But that doesn't mean we should take them uh, lightly. That, again, will come on tomorrow's show. But I thought offensively, Oregon ran the ball well. The identity of this team was fundamentally the same. It was, we want to run the football. And this is with a new offensive coordinator, but he talked, hey, we don't want to change a lot, just a wrinkle here and there. That's what we saw. Feed the studs, a wrinkle here and there, same base philosophy, because he got the same head coach. Run the football. I thought they had a little bit more RPO, which I thought was really good. They ran the ball well. The offensive line looked great. Bo Nix was really good. Bo's arm had some zip. Bo's arm had some extra zip on it. He didn't need to run. Because that's not what was required against this caliber of opponent. He had all day to throw. He made good decisions. He made accurate throws. He missed one deep ball to Troy Franklin, but nobody's perfect. And I thought the offense looked just how we expected it to. You had an array of weapons in there. Noah Whittington went out with with an injury during the game. Lanning's comments indicated that they're just being cautious with him, as they should, because he's Portland State. And Oregon in the running back department has got an embarrassment of riches. I mean, holy smokes, Jordan James, who I always thought could be more than just a goal line back, showed that over the weekend. He had a couple touchdowns, looked really good running the football. Bucky Irving, four carries 
for I think it was 119 yards and two touchdowns. Like you, you talk about efficiency, that's that's not bad there, Bucky. Uh, he looked like his same normal self. Uh, maybe even looked like he had a little bit more of a burst breaking through the second level. Maybe because he was going against Portland State, but he looked great. I thought Patrick Herbert on his long catch and run looked good. He blocked well. T. Ferg's a beast. Gary Bryant looked good. Tez Johnson made catches. Trayshawn Holden had a couple plays. Kyler Casper, I thought he should have been given that touchdown, though I understand why they didn't give it to him. Liked what I saw from him. Like across the board, offensively, that's what we were looking for. Showcase the depth. Have the offensive line gel. Bonix looks great. It's run focused, but there's a lot that can happen in the passing game. And I thought the depth of talent was on full display across the board. So I really like that from the offense. Let's talk about the defense now. The first drive was really, really good, wasn't it? I mean, it was great. It was a three and out. You're going up against Portland State. You're thinking, hey, we should pitch a shutout today. Or at least we are capable of pitching a shutout today. My game score prediction was 63-10, to ended up 81-7. to But I would have liked to have seen a goose egg on the Autzen scoreboard for the opponent. That did not happen. But it started well with a three and out. And then the next drive made us all kind of go, oh no, what, what was that? What are, what are we doing? And then it's Portland State baby steps though. An adjustment came through. They were killing us with the quarterback run. Then we started to take that away. Got beat with a couple passes. Then that was taken away. They only ended up with 52 passing yards in this game. Now, defensively, I feel like Dan Lanning and his staff deliberately were doing what I do to make sure spaghetti is cooked properly. So the way that I was taught, and this is one method, there's also the, you know, blow on it, get the steam and hotness away from it, and then, you know, eat it and see if it's done. But if you have stucco in your house or plaster or something like that, and you take a piece of spaghetti and you throw it at the wall and it sticks, then the spaghetti is done. And if it doesn't stick, it needs to cook for longer. And that's what Dan Lanning and Tosh Lupoy, it felt, were doing with the defense. They were throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and seeing what stuck. And Lanning, in his post-game comments, um, without calling anybody out by name, said, yeah, on that drive where the defense went down the field, we had two guys that... Uh, that missed their assignments, which is what it looked like. All of a sudden, the quarterback had a bunch of room to run, and you're going, where is everybody? What, like, what, 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 are we, what are we doing here? It looked like a couple of missed assignments, and that's what it was. But Bryce Betcher made the first defensive tackle of the 2023 season for Oregon. If you had that on your bingo card, I want you to show me where you wrote that down or where you spoke it on the record Proof of a timestamp, and I will come up with a prize for you. And it could be substantial. And I'm willing to put myself out there like that because I'm pretty confident none of us thought Bryce Betcher, who was at safety in the spring game, suddenly at linebacker, was going to be out there to make the first tackle. Now, he looked very good in the spring game, by the way. This is a two-sport stud. He plays on the baseball team for Mark Wazikowski. But the fact that he was out there and the rate at which they rotated guys in made me think a couple of things. Number one, they understood the opponent 
and that they didn't have to play those guys all the time and they could afford to try different matchups and understand how guys were going to translate things from practice to the game. And number two, they wanted to avoid injuries. That's why Noah Whittington went out of the game, didn't come back in because guess what? Don't need him to. And, and, and frankly, I love Noah Whittington and I really hope he's back for the Texas Tech game. Jordan James gives me all the confidence in the world. Uh, I mean, they they look similar. They run similar. They're built similarly. Carlos Lachlan, uh, that guy is, I hope we keep him around for a while. That's not going to be easy because he's brought in transfers. He's brought in high school recruits, and they all look good. All of them. Jaden Lamar looked awesome. He looks bigger than he did in the spring game. Dante Dowdell is a force. Jordan James is a beast. Bucky Irving's a stud. One of the studs that Will Stein wanted to feed. He only needed four touches to get over 100 yards and two scores. That's what happens when you play Portland State. Don't expect that to continue. But I look at what that position group has. That is that is the most surefire unit on the team. Absolutely. We could have our top two guys get hurt, and I think we could still be above average in the Pac-12 at running back. Like Jordan James would start for so many Pac-12 teams. I I firmly believe that. He, I, I think he's got a lot of potential and it just, it gives me reassurance that, Hey, if a running back gets hurt, which has been known to happen a time or two in the game of football, we got guys there. So we're, we're completely, completely good. But defensively, I think you saw a lot of substitutions, a lot of rotations, a lot of seeing, you know, mixing and matching and seeing what works and, and whatnot. And I, I don't think Oregon showed their entire hand in that sense on, on that side of the ball. But I have a couple more thoughts about what we saw there. Because there were no sacks, which on the surface is concerning, but it's actually not. What is concerning is if you haven't checked out Athletic Brewing yet. Because it's time for our Game Changer of the Week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like Bucky Irving busted open the long touchdown on fourth and short, and had a long touchdown run earlier in the first half, Athletic Brewing has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They've busted it wide open with non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. Great tasting, award-winning, and they beat out full-strength beers in global competition. They brew over 50 styles of craft non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, Goldens, Sours, and more. No hangovers, ever, because they're non-alcoholic, so they are fit for all times. Watching a big game, watching your kid's game, working out wherever you want. If you want that flavor, but without the alcoholic component, Athletic Brewing is what you want to go get. You can find Athletic Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use code LOCKEDON to get 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions, and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. Yeah, really, any time of day. It's always fit. Every day or no, I got to have my second segment sip. Got to have it. Have to have it. Need it. Gives me fuel in so many ways. So, uh, getting back to the defense here. Last year, Oregon had a historically bad season rushing the passer. It was the lowest sack and pressure rate. I believe the status since 2000 or 2001, it was bad. They did not get enough pressure on the quarterback in key situations, most notably the Washington game, but that has to change going into this year. So when you look at the box score and you see, hey, 
Oregon didn't have any sacks in this game. Is that indicative of the pass rush not being where we want it to be? I don't believe that's the case. The reason I feel that way is, first of all, we allowed seven fewer points and fewer passing yards than we did to Eastern Washington last year to Portland State. That's the first thing. The second thing is there was a lot of mixing and matching going on. But the third and most important thing why I'm not worried about the pressure rate just yet is Portland State threw the ball just 20 times. And of those 20 passes, think back to them. I don't have this tracked or anything, but just think about the game that you watched on Saturday, as I am doing right now. How many times did Portland State orchestrate a long-developing pass play where their quarterback, of which they played two in the game, one of whom was quite mobile and elusive and I think will be a good player for the Vikings this year in the big sky, how many times did they actually have him sit there, drop back, and let plays develop down the field? Versus, of the of the just 20 passing attempts compared to 37 rushing attempts, how many times was it a quick hitter? And I don't care if you're going up against a middle school football team. If you're throwing a screen pass or if you're throwing a slant, you're not going to get a sack. Almost never. There has to be a double clutch. There has to be a hesitation. Something has to be off. But when I watched this game, I never once felt that Oregon's defensive line wasn't in control of the game. Portland State had a couple of long runs from their quarterback, who is a really, really good athlete, but he was their leading rusher. And everybody else, he had 53 of their 148 rushing yards. So remove him from the equation, and Oregon will face some mobile quarterbacks this year. So it's a good learning experience for some of the guys who might have you know, missed those assignments on the design quarterback runs. I thought Oregon adjusted very well, which was very nice, as I talked about, and they took that element away from the offense. But seven points, 200 yards of offense, 52 yards passing on eight of 20 when it was mostly quick hitters and such, not worried about the lack of sacks there. So I think we'll get a better idea of whether or not we'll, you know, have actually improved the pass rush and whether or not the guys that are better on paper are better on the field this Saturday when we play Texas Tech because they will throw the football. Tyler Shuck was well over 300 yards passing against Wyoming. They will have more traditional drop back, long play action and everything like that. But Portland State wasn't doing a heavy play action look because that was going to give the Ducks defensive line too much time. Uh, They had good pressure moments. I think that the defensive line is still a question mark of sorts, but that's just because we haven't seen him go up against high-level competition yet. So wait to see on Saturday whether or not we feel the defensive line's got the pressure. But by the way, speaking of that defensive line, guys who I was looking for as for you know who could be players in the future, I saw a lot of names in there. I saw Ashton Porter make a play. I saw Mikael Gardner in there. I saw he saw Johnny Bowens in there. And I tell you what, those guys were four-star recruits for a reason because they came in and they look ready to play right here, right now. And, and I think you have Mateo as kind of the anchor piece there and a couple other guys. Marion Winston was on the two deep for, for the Ducks at the edge position. He's a redshirt freshman, uh, younger brother of former Oregon Duck, uh, I think Lamar Winston was his name. He's an outside linebacker uh, back, back in the day. I, I think that that defensive line is going to be really, really good. 
and they're going to all sit there behind guys like Popo and Casey Rogers and Taki and Birch and Dorless and everybody, and then all those guys are going to move on. And those kids are going to come in, and I think they're going to be ready to go because physically, boy, did they ever look the part. You know who else did? One more freshman standout, Dalen Austin. That coverage sequence down the sideline, my goodness. That was four-star at Long Beach Poly. He, he looked really, really, really good. You know who else looked good? Our guy, Ty Thompson. So, Ty Thompson, for the last, you know, year, we're actually coming up on two years in a few months. So, that means we're like one, I'm one year and nine months into hosting the show. Ty Thompson, one of the most polarizing players amongst the Oregon fan base. Highest rated quarterback commit in Oregon history. And all he's done so far is be a backup. He has never started a football game. Probably not what a lot of us had in mind for a guy who is currently a redshirt sophomore. So Ty Thompson is someone who I was really excited to watch going into this game and who I got excited watching this game. Now I know, I know, I know it's Portland State. Hear me out. When I've watched Ty Thompson in the past, and you have as well, one of the biggest things that he is missing as a quarterback, there's nothing physical about it, but it's between the ears. Can he process things? And can he be comfortable and play the position and not just be a thrower? Can you be a quarterback, not just a thrower of the football? And I watched Ty Thompson make good reads, the likes of which against FCS opponents in the past, by the way, most notably Eastern Washington a year ago and Stony Brook the year prior. I think those are the only FCS games Oregon's had the last couple of years. But he's played against some competition that you would judge to be inferior. In 2021, he came in against Colorado. Yeah, that was not a good, that was a four and eight Colorado team. And things went so poorly that he had to come out of that game. Now, do I want to see him against Hawaii? Would I love to see him against any Pac-12 team? Like if we could go down and get a big lead on Stanford, would I love to see him try and make the same sorts of plays? Yep, I would. Is this a tell-all? No. But was it a glimpse? Absolutely. He had one incompletion he threw for 80 yards and a touchdown. He marched the offense down the field. By the way, shout out to Will Stein. Because last year, whenever Ty Thompson got into the game, it felt like all they felt comfortable doing or all they wanted to do was a handoff and a screen pass and, th- and that he was never actually allowed to run the run the offense and make throws then he was able to make throws on saturday and he made the throws and boy did we see the arm talent the first throw that really caught my eye was a hitch to the far hash or outside the far hash outside the far numbers really and the ball was about in the middle of the field he was going right to left i forget the exact moment i think it was the first drive he came in but he whipped it out far side He made the right read, and that ball was not just thrown with a tight, hard spiral. That ball was right on the money, and it was, and it looked like the big arm we know he has, but he looked confident. He looked poised, and when I saw him, I know it's Portland State, but again, this is stuff that in the past against this level of competition or a lower level of competition, I have not seen from him. But I saw it on Saturday. Do I need to see more to actually declare him the starter? I had a facetious tweet about, you know, him and Dowdell and James and Lamar being the backfield in 2024, which, you know, it's not impossible. But do I need to see more from him to feel confident about that? Yes, I do. But was this a step in the right direction for him 
to where I'd say, hey, I'd feel comfortable with him as our starting quarterback next year? Yes, it was. Because then Portland State brought a blitz. He picked up the hot read, put a slant on the money, big play. Executed the RPO, made the right read. But the most impressive play, I'm not kidding when I say the most impressive play for Ty Thompson wasn't even a big one. It was a check down. Spencer, how can you possibly say that? I say that the same way I say that America's number one sports book is FanDuel. And you can get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. That's a pretty sweet deal. So go check it out. Now's the time to join to join FanDuel, the app. Super easy to use, great interface, and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. Everything about Oregon football. If you think we're going to hammer Texas Tech on Saturday, you can bet that at FanDuel. The line jumped from minus three to Oregon minus seven after the Red Raiders fell to the Cowboys of Wyoming over the weekend, and Oregon promptly drubbed Portland State. So, whichever side you feel Oregon's going to be on, eh? By all means, go for it. You can bet it at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Kick off the NFL season and college football with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So how was Ty Thompson's best play a check down? Because when I saw the spring game, when I've seen past games from Ty Thompson, the biggest thing is that he didn't appear able to and confident and comfortable enough to execute an offense and make the plays that quarterbacks have to make. Tom Brady gets a lot of flack because he's won a lot and that comes with the territory, but also because there's a contingent of people out there who you can find on the internet and beyond that say, well, he doesn't make a lot of big throws. He just checks it down all the time. Newsflash to the football world, who thinks that way? A lot of quarterbacking is checking the ball down and taking what the defense gives you. And once you do that 40 times or 30 times in a game or 20 times in a game, then the defense starts to come up and then you take your shots over the top. A great example, by the way, is Shador Sanders, who early in the game against TCU, I was impressed with him all day. He went for 510 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. How could you not have been? You know why that happened? Early in the game, he was just hitting quick hitters all over the place. Screen passes, swing passes, hitch routes, check downs. Just easy stuff because the defense was giving it to him. So he took it. He just took it. He didn't force the issue. He just took it. Then TCU's defense was like, oh, well, we got to take this stuff away. And then they started taking shots down the field. That's what quarterbacking is. So Ty Thompson had one play in particular where he trusted his offensive line, who gave him good protection, And he started on the right half of the field and he worked his way all the way to the other side to check it down to Jaden Lamar. And that's a play that a year ago, it feels like Ty Thompson would have thrown an incompletion on a hitch route. Or even in the spring game, there were moments where he'd lock onto one guy. And if that guy wasn't open, he was throwing an interception or an incompletion. And the progression to get through there and then the willingness to take the check down and deliver it accurately out wide. We know he's got the arm. We saw him show off the legs. He's obviously big enough. Again, I am not prepared to sit here and say, well, just because of that game against Portland State, he's going to be the starter in 2024. But do I feel, let's call it 15% better about Ty Thompson 
and his chances to be a starter next year after seeing that? Yes, because he looked different. He looked different from the spring game. I know it was Portland State, but goodness gracious, it was live action. And I've seen him in live action in those situations before when the game is well in hand, and it didn't look that good. He didn't complete easy throws. He didn't go through progressions. That was progress. And I give props to Will Stein, and I give props to Ty Thompson for putting himself in that situation, executing once he got there. Also, it was brief action, but Novasad doesn't look half bad. So the options that are on, I know everyone wants to talk about a transfer. You don't know who's going to be available next year. I'm sure there'll be good quarterbacks in the portal. We might not have to look that far. We'll have to wait and see. I imagine we will see, I hope we will see Ty Thompson against Hawaii. We should. And that'll be another indicator because that's a higher level of competition. But if he does that same sort of stuff, he'll start to be, at least in my mind, kind of moving towards the uh, the leader, the front runner to be the starter in 2024. But that was a positive step. He played well. I felt good for him. He stuck it out. You got to respect the kid for that. And I did. I like seeing that. So make of that what you will. YouTube comments or Twitter, send me your thoughts as uh, always. So Let's go to the mailbag here. Trio of questions to kind of roll through to end today's show. This from, again, YouTube comments, Twitter, always available. At Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. DMs and mentions are wide open. Nathan, here's one you can use when you're less busy. Who are your favorite potential feel-good stories for the Ducks? Trying to figure this out. I realize just about every guy has one. My favorites are one, Bo Nix flourishes to the Heisman after tough years in the SEC. Two, Patrick Herbert overcomes injuries and people transferring in to play and produce. Three, Marcus Harper. Four, a Johnny Cornelius. Harper just like, you know, kind of working it out and um, not being a starter right away and being... Yeah, I mean, he was not a highly sought-after three-star recruit. He's our starting left guard right now. Four, Johnny Cornelius and Colin Gill make major contributions after being under-recruited out of high school. Uh, well, Cornelius, you know, four-star transfer, obviously was under-recruited out of high school. Gill, our lowest-rated recruit in 2023. Not sure if he saw the field on Saturday. He he might have. Um, you know, for, for a feel-good story, you need, a, you need a lot of elements there. You have to have something that exists beyond football that makes you go, man, I really, really love that. Or good for that kid. And people who are not even fans of Oregon could look at it and say, wow, good for that kid. I think you touched on two. I, I think Bo Nix is the best and most obvious one. But I, I was going with Patrick Herbert, and you brought him up because that guy's battled injuries. And he's done nothing but stick it out at Oregon. And he has put himself in a position to be the number two tight end. I think deservedly so. I thought he looked good on Saturday. But one that I will throw in there is the guy I was just talking about, Ty Thompson. Like, what if Bo Nix, God forbid, goes down with an injury in a big game and Ty Thompson comes in, starts the game, and wins it for the Ducks and plays really well? How much of a feel-good story would that be? All the flack that he's taken... And I think fairly in many instances, instances, some Oregon fans have turned on him altogether. What if he came in and ended up being, you know, a, a one-week spot starter as Bo Nix is nursing an injury, and he comes in and wins that game? That'd be pretty cool. This from DJ. Hey, Spencer, can you talk about the difference between a look team versus a scout team? Also take in consideration Dan Lanning's most recent interview where he says he doesn't emulate other teams, just Oregon versus Oregon, coach speak, or misinterpretation on my part. Uh, this is from a, a past presser. So I've actually never heard of the difference between a look team and, and, a, and a scout team. 
my my guess is that a look team is designed for like a specific package. Again, this is me. This is me guessing. Like I didn't. Uh, I I only played football for three years in middle school. I've been around the game for a long time, and I've been you know uh, commentating on it as as an announcer since high school. Um, since I didn't play, I did broadcasting, and I actually have never heard of a look team versus scout team. That would be my guess, though. Um, is that they're, you know, bringing in a certain specific package, but as for, you know, landing saying, no, we don't emulate other teams. Hard to see a world in which you don't have your scout team running concepts in practice to show your team so that when they see them on the field on Saturday, they're not entirely brand new. I'd be, that feels like coach speak to me. Uh, last one here from EYS underscore LGB. What will be the state where Oregon or what will be the stat where Oregon will lead the Pac-12 this year? My prediction, offensively, pass percentage, defensively, sacks. Hot take? Uh, yeah, sacks would be a hot take because our defensive line's got a lot of talent, but they still have to prove it. And I watch Utah every year, and man, they're well coached, and they are well schemed, and Oregon's got a lot of improvement uh, to do on that front. And they started the weekend with no sacks, and Utah had a lot more of that than Florida. But like I said earlier, not really, not really worried about that. I, I'd say defensively, the place where they could lead the league is is run defense. Uh, they were actually good, aside from one game in that department a season ago, that being the Oregon State game, of course. So I think they could lead the league with a revamped defensive line in rushing yards allowed per game. Offensively, I again could see them being really dominant on on the ground. Um, I mean, there are a lot of stats that, that you could go to here. Um, I'm going to go with yards per carry specifically because I think the ability to rotate backs keeps them fresh and the offensive line's got depth. So you can rotate guys in and out there if, if, if someone needs a breather and such, or if a guy's a little bit dinged up, you're not going to have a big drop off with the guy who comes in after him. So I, I'll, I'll go total yards per game allowed rushing. Will will be my my biggest prediction there, and then uh, yards per carry specifically, not necessarily rushing yards per game, but yards per carry, uh, I, I think is where Oregon can can lead the pack. But interesting question, keep them coming, trying to get to them as uh, quickly as I can as the season rolls rolls along. Some of these are hungover from uh, the off season a bit, but if you got season questions, by all means, put them in the mailbag; they'll be answered here on the show. Appreciate everyone listening. I will see you next time. And until then, have a wonderful rest of your day. And as always, go Ducks.